Hey everyone, welcome into the latest edition of the Postcast, production of the cast from Star Tribune and Post Authority. I am Davis Potter, Wyoming beat writer for the Star Tribune, and I'm joined as always by our managing editor, former Wyoming Bitnick, Brandon Foster. Brandon, welcome to a tournament week. Thank you, Davis. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I. Fingers crossed, right? Everything's it comes yeah. with an asterisk this year, yeah. but but if we if we get to watch them, that that'll be a. A step up from <laughs> 2020. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm uh, excited to uh, talk some postseason basketball. Um, you know, I was I was thinking last week when we were wrapping up uh, how sometimes I'll listen to a podcast and they'll use some like uh, almost like raw audio, like audio of just like the host chatting and stuff when they weren't. You yeah, know, they're like, oh, are we even recording? And you know, then they'll use it. And I was like, man, how do I don't understand how people have this this extra content line around that they just throw in without even, you know, knowing that they're recording. And then last week, sure enough, between, uh, segments, we we're still recording and we had, we had a great segment about Craig, Craig Neal eating a dilly bar. So, um, yeah. I guess the, the, yeah, my point is just always be recording and, and you never know what magic might turn up. So, I mean, if people only knew what we went through to, to give them this content. <laughs> yeah, they're not not to mention the technical difficulties. But. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Not that we're complaining because we love, we love doing this, uh, <laughs> But um, yeah, it's. I know the Mountain West actually got its conference tournament in last year. Mm-hmm. You know, since they played it a week earlier down in Vegas. But yeah, I mean, as of now, every other conference tournament is is still on, and it's. I don't know. It's just it feels like some sense of normalcy. You know, slowly, at least slowly getting back to that point. Now I'm still. I'm still holding out for hope for the, the Mountain West sake that uh, you know one of their their conference champion or or one of these bubble teams they have going into this thing doesn't doesn't get popped with COVID, you know, mm. and then <laughs> miss the NCAA tournament since they're still bringing all 21 men's and women's teams down to, to Vegas to play this thing. But yeah, it's, it's great to, you know, this, this is like the, the, the best time of year, I guess, if you're a, if you're a sports fan, I mean this and then yeah. the NCAA tournament. So it's, it's definitely good to, uh, to have this back. Uh, and this is going to be a basketball heavy podcast this week. The Wyoming's men's team starts, the Mount West tournament on Wednesday, and the uh, women's team uh, has already started the their portion of the Mount West tournament. And, and how about some uh, about some love for the Wyoming Cowgirls? Uh, they, yeah, you know, team coming off tw- a twenty two day layoff, and uh, they've looked anything but rusty down in Vegas. Uh, a couple of blowouts in the, their first two games, and now they're uh, a win away from playing for a Mount West tournament championship for the second time in three years. And I guess since we're recording this podcast on Tuesday, uh, by the time people listen to this, the the women's team will either be eliminated or they'll be in the championship game since they play um, late Tuesday night. But um, yeah. Wow, what a game. Either way, just pretend like that. (laughs) Yeah, they've, uh, man, they've been hot. Set a tournament record with 15 three-pointers and their uh, quarterfinal win over UNLV, or an upset, I should say. UNLV was at number two seed, but uh, they got it going at the right time. Yeah, I mean, all you need in March, uh, oftentimes, is to just find your find your uh, stride on the shooting end, and and most other things will fall into place. And yeah, I mean, you know, when you make it look easy against the the two seed, uh, you you start to uh, you know get you start to wonder what 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 still lies ahead of this team. Uh, and you know, they get a Boise team now who they they lost to twice this year, but neither game was more than a ten point uh, deficit. So. Certainly uh, not out of the question. We could be watching another uh, uh, Mountain West championship game with the Cowgirls in it. And if you're wanting to know how 
the Cowgirls did on Tuesday night. Of course, we'll have you covered at Trib.com and PokesAuthority.com. But, uh, Brandon, before we jump into talking about the men's Mountain West basketball tournament, uh, quickly wanted to talk about Wyoming's football schedule. Uh, that was officially released late last week. And, of course, we all knew that Wyoming is going to be opening the season against their uh, former offensive coordinator, Brent Vegan, and, and Montana State for that um, September 4th opener. Um, but I'm curious, uh, what, just anything stick out to you, just sort of skimming over the, the schedule when you look at it? I mean, the, I'll admit, the thing that sticks out to me the most still is just seeing the words conference champion San Jose State. That's still, like, looks <laughs> like a typo, just knowing yeah. where that program was not that long ago. And, you know, I, I wonder if we'll look back on that team and, and see that, I mean, it's it's uh, not, not that Pokes fans will want to, but I wonder if that win that they had over Wyoming at the end of the 2017 season will be a little bit of a, a turning point because they were uh, without that San Jose State team was without a uh, FBS win yet up until that point. And then they get uh, the Pokes with, with Josh Allen still sidelined and, and they win that game. And, you know, I, I talked to, uh, you know, their head coach the next media days and, and Brent Brennan, he uh, he said, you know, that was that was big for them going into that offseason to at least have something to build on as opposed to being, yeah. you know, Ofer against FBS teams, so maybe it's uh, you know the Pokes have a little bit, of, bit of a reason, I guess, to why they've been able to turn things around. But yeah, as far as the schedule, the things that that stand out to me, um, you know, I think it's. Uh, well, hey, Brandon, let, let me go ahead and just run through this real quick so it. that people know. I think so. Non-conference schedule uh, at home against Montana State, then they go to Northern Illinois, back home against Ball State. And they'll travel to UConn, which is the replacement game for Clemson that was supposed to be played this mm-hmm. year, but they bought out so that they could play, a, uh, <laughs> I guess, a more high-profile game against Georgia. Uh, but then they have the bye week in between their non-conference schedule and their Mountain West schedule. And then they'll start conference play at Air Force uh, on October 9th. Then back-to-back home games against Fresno State and New Mexico. Then they'll head to the previously alluded to San Jose State to end the month of October. Then they'll start November uh, at home with the border war against Colorado State. Then back-to-back road games with Boise State and Utah State before ending the regular season at home against Hawaii. So, mm-hmm. go ahead. Yeah, and then, no, and then the mean, Mount West Championship game on December 4th if uh, Wyoming is fortunate enough to get there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the thing that jumps out to me first, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I won't profess to be an expert on UConn football in the year 2021, but it feels like they have a, a pretty manageable non-conference schedule, especially with uh, Clemson not on there. I mean, Very I, I think every, everyone would rather play Clemson. That's obviously a cool high-profile event, but, um, you know, I guess I'm not, not shocked uh, that went the way it did, the way those, you know, powerhouses tend to schedule now. But, yeah, I mean, the, I I just feel like if if – if they uh, are the team that maybe we think they can be with this level of experience, they can start to build their resume with a good non-conference slate. And, and uh, you know, that's that can go a long way if all of a sudden your season gets gets to be uh, a little exciting down the stretch if, if you don't have any of those uh, hiccups in, in non-con against, you know, yeah. Northern Illinois. It's it's the rematch of the, uh, the 2.34 a.m. Bowl, if I'm not <laughs> mistaken. I don't think they've played since... Uh, so yeah, it's uh, I, that's what stands out to me first is you know hey you should you, you should take care of these non conference games, obviously the vegan thing will be uh, will be fun and be a fun storyline, and then yeah other than that I mean the 
I just it's nice to see like a normal Mountain West schedule where you know that they're, they're going to play these teams in the division. And you know, last year was so funky. Uh, you know, it's it's got built-in excitement as if you're um, adhering to the the normal schedule. You're going to get your your rival um, in the border war and, and your sort of rival with <laughs> with the Air Force Falcons. So yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I I'm, I'm going to say they can run it twelve and zero. Book it down. <laughs> go ahead. Wyoming fans, go ahead and uh, book your uh, plane tickets. Well, I guess, I guess no, they play those on ca- the championship game on campus sites. So, I guess, uh, they're, so will Wyoming host the, since you're, uh, since you're a fortune teller, will Wyoming host the Mountain West Championship game next year? I, I would say yes. I mean, I, if it, you got to, you know, you got to look at the facts. And the facts are that a Craig Bull Wyoming team has never played Northern Illinois in a season and not <laughs> hosted the conference championship game. I mean, who am I to dispute history? Yeah, that, that's really why I, I really like uh, having you as a as a podcast partner, man. <laughs> you don't get that sort of insight anywhere else. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's interesting too because you know there were so the expectations were so high last year for this team with all the experience they had coming back, for, particularly before Sean Chambers got hurt mm-hmm. again. But um, I think people may have forgotten, or maybe they haven't forgotten, just how challenging Wyoming's non conference schedule would have been had they actually played mm-hmm. it. Uh, they were supposed to opening at Weber State, which was a you know a top five FCS program. Um, then you had Utah, their only Power Five opponent, you know, supposed to come to Warren Memorial Stadium. Then you had Ball State, uh, or you're supposed to go to Ball State, which ended up winning the MAC championship last year. So I mean, you could honestly look at that Ball State game this year as, as maybe their most challenging uh, non-conference game that they have. I don't know what Northern Illinois is going to be like this year. I mean, they were bad last year, but. Um, yeah, I think it's a, certainly a much more manageable non-conference schedule. And, and w- again, with the experience that Wyoming has, um, that should be a schedule that I think they handle uh, in terms of the non-conference. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, in terms of the, the conference schedule, the, the, the trip to San Jose State obviously stands out because, as you mentioned, the me and the reigning uh, Mountain West champions, which was – which is very weird to write, like when I was writing this, this story about their schedule, uh, you know, saying reigning Mountain West Champion San Jose State is, doesn't really have a ring to it at all. That's going <laughs> to that's gonna take some time to get used to. <laughs> but um, also the Mountain West likes to have Wyoming play Boise State and Utah State on the road back-to-back. Last time they played both those teams, uh, you know, had to travel to both of those places two years ago. It came back-to-back in November. So, um but I, I do think there's a when you look at the, the front half of the of the schedule altogether, um, even after the non-conference portion of it. I mean, I think Air Force, you know, go opening against them, um, you know, that should that's a winnable game. Um, then you get Fresno State at home, that's a winnable game. Then New Mexico, obviously at home, you should win that one. So I, I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't count out them being three and zero after their first three weeks of the conference schedule. Yeah, and yeah, this will be. I'm trying to look now. Sorry, I'm cheating, but I, I believe this would be their first non-conference slate without a Power Five team on it in the bowl era. Yeah. Um, and you know that not to say that. Way to go, Clemson! You should, but yeah, <laughs> uh, but you know they ha- they have yet to to go undefeated in non-conference play under bowl. That obviously 19 was the high point, beating Missouri, but then they they uh, slip it up against Tulsa. So yeah, I mean that um, you mentioned Ball State's good. Um, that's news to me, so good to know. But you know, uh, if 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 they can if they can uh, 
you know, get going early in the season, there's opportunity there that maybe isn't when. Uh, well, well I think I think that, I think yeah, I think that was news to everybody until Ball State actually went out and showed it was good last year and won their mm-hmm. conference. So, I don't think there's any team on on Wyoming's schedule uh, that they can't beat. Um, but I mean, you know, Boise State's at Boise State. That, that's always going to be a tough game. Um, at San Jose State, obviously, as we've mentioned, it's probably gonna, it's going to be a tougher game than than you would normally think going to San Jose State. Although, as you alluded to earlier, uh, Wyoming's had some trouble there. I think they, you know, last time they went to San Jose State, they lost with Josh Allen. So yeah, he didn't play, but yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, did they? I that's what I meant to look up was uh, did they get a new stadium or upgrade or anything like that because. Uh, I mean, San Jose is a lovely place. It's it's nice to be out there, but uh, they their facilities were, you know, when I was on the beat, were not up to par with the rest of the conference. But it appears yeah. they're still at uh, Sefku Stadium, or however you say it. it really just rolls off the tongue. Um, and <laughs> yeah, it's I nice don't. I'll, it's 70 I'll, degrees, but yeah, yeah, that will be nice. And, but <laughs> all I know is I, I was out in San Jose. Um, for a little while last summer and mm-hmm. drove through their campus and I was not impressed at least with their facilities, which yeah, I guess it's not all that surprising. I mean, I'm not, I'm not here to rag on the Spartans, but their, their basketball facilities are high school-esque. It's, uh, you know, where's that Silicon Valley money going? I guess that's, that's <laughs> what I wonder. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, that was, uh, just jump into basketball. Um, Wyoming, they are the eight seed down in Vegas, coming off a 80 to 69 home win over UNLV in their regular season finale. Um, they shot a season high 55% from the field in that game. Um, so that obviously had a lot to do with it. Um, and assured themselves as a winning season. So regardless of what happens in, in Vegas this week, um, they're going to finish the season with more wins and losses, which is not insignificant considering where this program mm-hmm. has finished the last two years. Um, but, Brandon, the real question is, is this Wyoming team capable of making a run? And if they are, then how do they do it? Because last year, obviously, they made that Cinderella run that nobody expected uh, to the conference semifinals. And um, what's your what's your take on that as you sort of look at at this Wyoming team this year and, the, and its makeup. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when you say how how do they make a run if they can, they maybe uh, take, a, take a page out of the Cowgirls book and just start making every shot uh, that they take because, you know, <laughs> hot shooting will, will solve a lot of uh, problems with the team. But, yeah, I mean, uh, first and foremost, they, as you mentioned, being guaranteed of a, of a winning season, at least they have more – more business going on a run than last year's team right did right you know they have a little more to build off of as far as regular season success they've you know uh played somewhat competitively recently at least against a, a top four team in the league with that utah state game not that they pulled it out but you know they're they're, they're building off a win against unlv i i mean these things are unpredictable i feel like things are more unpredictable now than ever with you know the kind of season everyone's been going through i i will say the thing that last year's team had going for it um is i i think when you know as a team that your coach is about to be out the door if you lose a game that that can uh lead to some upsets that maybe you don't have any business pulling um 
you know, I, I covered a really terrible Missouri basketball team for two years before I moved out here uh, under Kim Anderson. Uh, I think they won like 17 combined games over those two years. And, you know, when they were in the same boat that Wyoming was last year, where everyone in the world knew Anderson was out the door, they ended up winning some SEC championship or SEC, SEC uh, tournament game, if, if not more than one, but at least one that, you know, they didn't have any business winning. But, you, you know, regardless of how a fan base feels about a coach and whether or not everyone knows that they're they're gonna you know be moving on i think the players do have you know that emotional connection to their coach that that can lead to some some wonky results and so that that factor obviously is not at play this year um, yeah. might have been a, a contributing uh, factor last year so uh, you never know um but yeah i think uh you know i was joking a little bit you know you obviously make your shots but this team's probably going to have to pull off upsets with a whole lot of offense the way that they're built. I, yeah, I do think Wyoming can do it. I mean, I would if I didn't think Wyoming could make a run, I would just say that. I mean, I'm not just saying that to, to pump sunshine. But, you know, if that, if that team last year can make a run, this year's team can, can certainly sure. make a run. And, yeah, I think there's a few things um, that they have to do to do that. And um, it's really what they've done well over the last – three or four times that they've taken the floor. I mean, they've won three – they entered the tournament having won three of their last four games. Mm-hmm. And not only is it, is it shoot well, but you know, you can't get killed on the glass. Yeah. I know Wyoming's first shot defense this year, we we talked about nauseam, has been – has left a lot to be desired. And, like, Wyoming, they're, they're going to give up some points, particularly mm-hmm. on the interior. I mean, that's just – with a young team and, and, and their struggles in the defensive end, you know, keeping keeping uh, ball handlers in front and, 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 and struggling in, in the post and not really having that, that sort of personnel at this point. You know going in that they're going to give up some points. Um, so they have to shoot the ball well, uh, particularly from deep. Um, I mean, that's something that they've done all season. And just look at last year's tournament run. I mean, that that was one of the worst shooting teams in the Mount West. They catch fire in Vegas and knock down 38 three-pointers over those three games. I mean, that that's that's the reason that they made that run. Um, so, yeah, there's there's always that factor of you know, a team catching fire late in the year, particularly in a, in a tournament setting uh, where, you know, mm-hmm. you knock down 15 or 16 threes. Um, you know, you can beat just about anybody. Uh, and I think that's even more applicable to Wyoming this year, just because they're not going to uh, dominate the paint. You know, I mean, Graham Ek has certainly given them a lift, and there are times, uh, particularly against in that game against UNLV. I mean, he asserted his will. I mean, had 17 points um, on eight of 10 shooting, pulled down six rebounds in that game. But if you're able to beat San Jose State in that first round, you've got San Diego State awaiting, which has a Nemesh Kata Jr. and Nathan Mensa. And then you know if you you go deeper in the tournament, you, you know, at some point you're going to face a Boise State or a Colorado State. Or so, um, you know, teams that, that you're going to have a tough time scoring against close to the rim. So, <laughs> you know, you're, you're going to have to knock down threes. Um, and the rebounding to me is, has been maybe the biggest improvement for Wyoming over these last few games. Um, you know, they've gone from getting just murdered on the glass and getting out-rebounded by double digits to, you know, over the last four games – They've only been out-rebounded by a combined seven boards, and they've won the rebounding mm-hmm. battle in two of those. And I think that, that's that's done a lot because teams are still shooting in the high 40s, low 50s in terms of percentage against them. But, you know, you, when you're able to actually, you know, rebound the misses that they do have, 
Um, you know, obviously they're not getting a bunch of second and third and fourth chances. If you ended up doing that at the tournament, um, you're going to have to score 85, 90 points just to give yourself a chance. Um, and, and then and then defending the three-point line. Uh, you know, we, we've talked mm-hmm. about what they're going to give up on the interior, but um, their three-point defense has been really good, uh, particularly down the stretch. I mean, it's it's been pretty solid all season. I mean, they're in the top half of the Mountain West in terms of three-point field goal percentage defense, but – um, you know, over, over the last four games, they haven't allowed a team to shoot better than 37% from deep. Uh, and then you just look at Saturday's game against UNLV. UNLV scored 40 points in the paint, but Wyoming held them to three three-pointers and only allowed them to shoot 13 of them. So, I mean, you're talking about holding them to less than 30% from three in that game. Um, had a huge impact in, in them being able to win that game. So, yeah, shoot, you got to shoot the ball well. Um, you got to clean up your boards and you've got to, you know, if you're mm-hmm. not going to be able to contain teams on the inside, you cannot let them mm-hmm. beat you from three, which is something Jeff Linder's talked about this year. Uh, you know, knowing the identity of this team, it's like, you know, well, you know, we're going, we're going to give up some baskets close to the paint, either on the drive or on the pass. But last time I checked, three's worth more than two. So, you know, you, you yeah. can't let them score from both from both spots. And, you know, you would rather have these teams try to beat you from two. And, and I think that's obviously what they're, what they're going to try to do this week. Yeah, and I, I think we talked a little bit about with this team, you know, what does success look like this year as far as results. And I think, you know, we, we sort of agreed it's, it's less about maybe specific outcomes and results and more about how much potential and progress they, uh, they show. But, you know... I, I think it feels a little cut and dry headed into this this tournament that, you know, win that first game. And, and you know, you, you can all kind of live with that because uh, San Diego State's won, what, 11 games in a row? You know, that's that's a tall task, uh, especially come tournament time. But, um, you know, if you can if you can pull off this win against San Jose State, you know, that's a team that they haven't won a game since January. And because of COVID, they, they're coming in. They haven't played in over two, uh, like two and a half weeks. Uh, yeah. A bit of a wild card there. You know, you've got, uh, as you've written about, you know, more and more players coming back from injury, uh, making a little bit of strides in, in the, the parts of your game that have been your Achilles heels all year. You know, there, there's, uh, I mean, that being said, you know, the crowd girls had a long break and now they, you know, come out on fire. So, so maybe San Jose State benefits. But, you know, there, there's reason to believe, you know, there's a game to be won here and, um, I, I don't think it changes too much of how you view Jeff Linder's first year if they don't, but, but to me that it's, uh, when you're, when you're talking run, you know, let's, let's start with one win first. Yeah. If you have an opinion, um, and I'm sure everybody does about, um, how, how they feel that this season went under Jeff Linder, uh, I don't think anything that happens in Vegas this week changes that. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you get, regardless of what happens. Would you say it stays in Vegas, what what happens there this year? This week? <sighs> oh, I see, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, regardless of what happens, you go into the offseason knowing that, that defense is the priority. I mean, even Jeff Linder has said yeah. um, during the season that, you know, he's not necessarily concerned about the um, about the defense, considering how young this team is this year. But he has said, you know, if, if they get midway through next season and they still can't stop anybody, then he'll be concerned about it. So, I mean, that, that's the that that's where they have to make the strides in in the off season and going into into next year. But you alluded to uh, some of the players that Wyoming is getting back, and um, for those that may not know, you know. Jeff Flinder said last week that Kenny Foster and Owen Nelson were probably done for the season with injuries, yet 
Um, both of them are, are back now. Kenny Foster has played uh, or played both of the uh, final regular season games. And then Owen Nelson actually dressed out for UNLV but didn't play because he really hadn't practiced. But mm-hmm. um, Jeff Linder said this week that he'll be available. And uh, I, I wonder maybe what their lineups are going to look like at times because, you know, Jeff talked about after the UNLV game that, uh, you know, it, he hasn't been in a position where he's been able to use the bench as a teaching tool because they, you know, they've been down to a seven, eight man rotation. So, you know, regardless of whether guys are given the kind of effort he wants on defense and doing the right things, he's had to play them because he hasn't had another choice. Yeah. Now he's got a little bit more depth. Um, he said, if, if guys aren't given the kind of effort that, that he wants, you know, he's going to pull them out and put somebody else in there. Uh, and also just getting Owen Nelson back in the front court is going to help, mm-hmm. uh, their depth there specifically, uh, a lot because, you know, again, Graham EK is really the only true physical presence that they have inside. Uh, and I mentioned sort of him having the, a dominant game the other night. He did that in 19 minutes because he was in foul trouble. So, I mean, 17 points in 19 minutes, that's pretty efficient, but, you know, so if he can bring Owen off the bench and spell him, steal some minutes for him where maybe he can keep him from, from you know, picking up a cheap foul here or there, you know, that'll allow mm-hmm. Graham to uh, to play more minutes and, and, you know, be more effective and, and keep him on the floor. Because, you know, again, if, if they're able to win a game or two, they're going to need his presence inside to try to neutralize the advantage that some of these other teams have in the front court. Yeah, and I mean, once you you get into that conference tournament setting, you know, you never know what can happen. The um, the first Mountain West tournament game I ever covered, uh, one team went on a twenty five zero run to start the game. So Pretty good. Weird, weird thing, weirder things have yeah. happened. Yeah, I mean, it, that, that and that's another fun part about this time of year, right? I think that's why it's sort of like everybody or. Even if, even for a casual sports fan, like unless you unless you've got uh, money on it, Brandon, which uh, I don't know if you're a big better or not, but um, that would have been a good uh, segue I mean, if we had like a sponsor, <laughs> um, you know, yeah, whatever, uh, daily yeah. DraftKings or whatever they're called, you know, hit us up. Yeah, but uh, I mean, if you don't have that sort of yeah rooting interest in it, I mean, it's even interesting just because you it's Cinderella for a reason, I guess, this time of year, um, and so that always makes it fun, but. Um, yep. Brandon, I did want to mention um, Marcus Williams, Wyoming's freshman point guard, has now been voted the unanimous freshman of the year in the Mountain West. Uh, he was voted that by the media earlier this week, and then um, it was just announced here mm-hmm. on um, Tuesday afternoon that uh, the league coaches also uh, voted him Mountain West freshman of the year. And then uh, Hunter Maldonado gets honorable mention honors um from the media and the coaches so that is your uh postseason awards update there you go yeah and a little trivia for our listeners i wouldn't have got this right um he's the first cowboy to win that award award since 2009 with uh i'm gonna screw this up afam mujk <laughs> and yeah sorry I'll, I'll spell things right i won't say them right um but yeah for, first cowboy in the mountain west era to win that award so that's you know, I think we'll do a post-mortem after the tournament, obviously, but that's got to be one of the biggest takeaways this year is, is his breakout. Yeah, and speaking of Marcus Williams and his breakout, I've actually got a story that's in Wednesday's paper and is online at trib.com and postauthority.com um, where uh, I went and talked to both him and some of his current and former coaches to find out how he went from a very under-the-radar prospect in Texas during the recruiting era to – now being the Mount West freshman of the year. So 
Um, hope you guys will check that out. Um, but Brandon, let's go ahead and take a break. And then when we come back on the other side, we'll dive a little bit more into the field at the Mount West Tournament and talk some of these league's bubble teams. Cast and uh, now, Brenda, let's just talk about the Mount West tournament in a big picture sense because this is a big week for the Mount West and uh, some of its NCAA tournament hopefuls. Um, honestly, I, I think San Diego State's fine, regardless of what happens in Vegas this week. The, the I guess the intrigue is with um, the other three teams uh, because <laughs> we uh, we mentioned uh, in previous podcasts these. These, these landmines that were created with uh, the Mount West rescheduling some of these you know regular season games that have been postponed um, from earlier in the season and uh, some of those detonated last week uh, in a big way um, you know Boise State loses to Fresno State um, Colorado State loses at Nevada um, yeah Utah State took care of business against uh, Wyoming and uh, I think they played Fresno State uh, in their regular season finale Um but they sort of had to have that because you look at any everybody, all the bracket projections out there in Utah State, I guess, according to those projections, were sort of the, the bottom team in that pecking order. Uh, that You know, a lot of the projections have them in, in that, you know, first four or next four out category. And, um, you know, now as you look around the, the, the country and some of the other results from other leagues – um, you got guys like Jerry Palm, Joe Lenardi, some of those guys actually have Utah State a little closer to the bubble now. It's like the first four out, last four in type thing. But, um, you know, all of this can blow up in their face uh, if they uh, if they get upset in the first round. So, um, yeah, an intriguing week uh, in that sense down in Vegas. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we sort of joked about the, uh, the Mountain West rescheduling those games and, and not too many of them were you know, banner games or, or huge matchups, but uh, apparently they were <laughs> in a different way. I guess, you know, you still got to go out and win them if you're one of those teams hoping to get into the tournament. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's uh, we've talked about this on past episodes, but, um, you know, obviously it's nice when you're a conference, I guess, when your uh, lesser teams can still beat good teams, you know, maybe that shows some depth, but yeah. it, it's... Uh, that's not going to bring in any extra, uh, you know, tournament invitations at the end of the year or any, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's, uh, it's financially beneficial as well for, for conferences to get these teams playing on those huge, huge, uh, platforms and, uh, you know, the good on the Aztecs, I guess, for (laughs) just not, uh, 
not lending any excitement to the end of their season. You know, they're t- they've taken the drama out of it by winning. Uh, let's see, every game here since January sixteenth. That'll that'll usually uh, keep your season running. But um, you know, I yeah, it's it's going to be a, an an interesting week in, in more ways than one. I think watching that tournament. Um, you know, it's uh, as we're talking about. You know, Wyoming's a team that could could give teams some trouble, but. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll see where it all you know lands. But you you called it mentioning those those landmine games, and you know it turned out to yeah. be a, an, an unsuccessful game of minesweeper, I guess. So here's the updated net rankings for these NCAA tournament at large contenders in the league. San Diego State twenty one. So they're in again. It, it doesn't really matter what they do. I mean, they if they were to somehow get upset by a say Wyoming mm-hmm. or San Jose State in their first game, you know, like might. Cost them a couple seed lines, but I mean they're going to be in the field. Um, but the next highest ranked uh, team is Boise State at forty three, then Utah State at forty eight, and Colorado State is clinging to a spot in the top fifty at number fifty. So very bubblicious numbers, very bubblicious resumes for those three teams. And honestly, and I should say to be clear, those are really the only four that have shots at at large right. first because uh, I mean you, you got to go all the way down to. Um, I'm actually looking at it now. Uh, I've got the uh, net rankings pulled up here, but um, you got to go all the way down to, to Nevada at number 98 uh, as the team with the next highest net ranking. So, I mean, anybody else is going to have to win the conference tournament and, and earn the automatic bid. But, um, you know, in terms of the Boise State and Utah State and Colorado State, I, I'm really not sure who might need a win the most. Mm. You know, like if there's a – if there's a pecking order of – or if you sat there and said, hey, who, who can least afford a loss in their first-round game? Uh, I don't know because, I mean, you look at their quad one records, um, you know, Boise State's two and four. Uh, Utah State's two and four. Colorado State is two and three. Uh, so they all have got the same number of, of quad one uh, wins. Um, Boise State's got two quad two wins. Utah State's got one. Uh, Colorado State's got one. So I guess if, if you want to combine quad one and quad two wins, Boise State's got the most. Mm. So that they're probably in the best position, you know, in terms of, uh, of them losing a game and possibly still be able to sneak in the tournament. And some of the tournament proje- projections um, sort of mirror that because most uh, of these, you know, bracketologists, Leonardi and Palm and those guys, you know, they still have Boise State as one of the last four teams in. Um, but you do wonder, you know, if they were to lose their first round game to, uh, to somebody, you know, with a sub 100, uh, net ranking, Mm -hmm. uh, if that would doom them. Um, so yeah, I mean, those, (laughs) in terms of the numbers and the kind of wins that they have, I mean, those three resumes are awfully similar. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, you know, what you'd hope for most maybe as a, as a conference, you know, obviously four teams can't all win the tournament, uh, you know, maybe just hope to avoid the worst case scenarios where, where these teams are are uh, all losing to teams that aren't in this group of four that we're talking about right now. You know, obviously, if, if you know, at some point they're going to bump heads if, if they don't get upset. And, and, you know, that's, I guess, the preferable outcome if you're the Mountain West. Um, you know, if one team has to go down, hopefully they're given a quality win to another team that does have a shot at a, at, at a large berth. But, yeah, I mean, maybe uh, – 
maybe the Mountain West in general should be Wyoming fans this week. And if Wyoming can take out the Aztecs, <laughs> you know, that's that's a team that will yeah. still get in and, uh, you know, won't potentially knock out a, a team that needs to run the table. So, um, yeah, we I mean, we, we obviously talked in the past about this league feeling like it is and needs to be more than a one-bid league. And hopefully that's, uh, you know, not how it shakes out at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, ultimately, I, I think the Mountain West will get two, two mm-hmm. in. Um, in terms of that largest. Now, again, you know, if there were somebody like a Wyoming or a Nevada or somebody that could sneak in there and and still the at large bid, um, then obviously that would that would change things a little bit. But um, yeah, what, what would you think? What would you think about a uh, an NCAA tournament with a with Wyoming and San Diego State? And maybe a maybe a Boise. So let's just throw a Boise State in there too. <laughs> I, I think that would make Wyoming fans pretty happy. Um, yeah, I mean, the, you know, I I don't know. There's, you know, obviously the added uh, dynamic of there, there's not going to be any fans at the uh, at the venue. Is that correct? Right, correct. Um, so I don't know, you know, if that helps anyone one, one way or, or the other. I guess, it, you know hurts UNLV maybe the most not having their hometown fans but Wyoming you know traditionally travels pretty well to the tournament so that's a a loss for them and you know it'd be fun right now obviously if the the fans were uh cheering on the the women's team's run but um yeah I think I don't know I mean that'd be that'd be uh an impressive run obviously if if Wyoming could pull it off but um you know is, is there one of these teams maybe outside of San Diego State that you think is is potentially most dangerous this uh, this time of year, especially you know when it comes to if they are able to get into the big dance um, as an at large or, or or I guess a conference champion. Uh, is is there one of these teams that you feel like is most dangerous uh, in the month of March? Oh, that's a good question. Outside of San Diego State, I would probably say. Utah, Utah State, like to me, mm-hmm. like I, I'm still trying to figure out how you, they've lost seven games with Nemish Kata in the middle. Of, so I think they're still like the most complete team, right? Um, but I, I don't, I like Colorado State to me also is is really good. Um, you know, they've got the inside out with with David Roddy and Isaiah Stevens and and some of those guys. But I, I'll tell you because I, I was going to ask you this too. A team that I think could possibly make make a run outside of that top, those top four teams is Nevada. I mean, they they've got a, a guard in Grant Sherfield who can just take over a game. And in March, it's all about guard play, man. If you've got guys that can that can go out there and drop thirty at any given moment, they're, they're dangerous. Yeah, and I mean that's a a team that we just referred to. You know, pulled off one of those landmine games. I mean, maybe not quite as as. Uh... Big of a blemish as the other ones, but beating Colorado State to wrap up their regular season, and um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think there's there's a lot of intriguing teams up and down the line. I mean, it, it's uh, you know a step up, I think, from not that long ago for the conference, at least to be. T- you know, we're talking about four teams in the mix here. That's that's a plus as opposed to um, you know there are years past where it's like, hey, we've got. We've got one tournament quality team in this conference, and we hope they don't screw up and not win the championship. You know that that's not the position that the conference is in, so that's that's good. Um, and you know, I I uh, I don't know. I wonder. You know, the SEC is a, a weird conference, obviously that we're both familiar with Davis, where people weirdly like 
boast that they root for conference, right? Like they they want their conference right, as a whole yeah. to do well, even if it's a team they normally hate. I don't get the sense that like Wyoming fans are gonna root for Colorado State to make the tournament just for for the sake of the <laughs> conference. I'm not sure that that translates to this conference. Yeah, you're probably on to something there. I, of course, I don't know, man. I've never, I've never really understood the the conference allegiance. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm a, I'm a fan of this team in this conference, so therefore, I just I want the conference to do well. I don't know. Yeah, it's I just it's I, weird to me too. I don't I don't understand why liking a, a, a certain team means you have to like the comp, the whole entire conference that they compete in. I've never really understood that. I, yeah, I mean, I guess there's such a sense of like regional identity with the SEC. Maybe that's part of it. But yeah, it's like. You know, by by nature, you kind of hate a lot of those teams. So, yeah. I'm definitely not someone who's ever done that. I mean, my my college team that I grew up rooting for, you know, wasn't always in the SEC, and that definitely wasn't something that was, you know, we weren't rooting for Texas or anything like that. Right. So, I I personally think my hunch is it it speaks to a little bit of how much of like uh, um, the the SEC is such like a company almost. You know, it's such a brand heavy. Uh, I don't know. It's like these teams, these Alabama teams, especially, you know, have just so much more in the way of resources than everyone else. And and that means that they're going to come in each year with the best recruits and they're going to, you know, they're going to have all the advantages that you can have at the college level. And so they kind of extend that mentality to the the conference at large and, you know, really just kind of see dollar signs as, as a plus wherever wherever it's possible, you know, for an SEC team to play in a, in a game that brings, whether it's, you know, TV revenue or whatever it may be. That's, I kind of view it as like this almost different mindset than any, any normal person has. No offense, SEC fans (laughs) of like, yeah, dude, it's a sport and I don't like that team. So I still don't like that team. It's like, ah, but it's, it's good for the brand. I mean, not to, I don't know. It's, (laughs) it feels like a, a very, uh, it, it has something to do with how much money is going around that yeah. part of the country, I guess. It's also ironic that we've sort of uh, swiveled to this tangent and gone off on this tangent considering the, the week the Mountain West just had or the last yeah. couple of weeks because <laughs> there aren't uh, many fans of what the Mountain West did in terms of basketball and rescheduling you know, some of these, these games of, of the top teams playing the bottom teams, particularly with those top four because now they're – since they lost some of those games, you know, there's there's the – notion of well why did you even schedule those games and give your even put your top teams in position to lose games that could hurt them going into the in a year where you could possibly have the most incidental tournament teams that you've had since they had five back in 2013 so yeah um a lot of angst over that yeah i uh (laughs) i don't know if rooting for your conference extends to like actually rooting for the people who run the conference i don't know if uh you know do do Ole Miss fans like are they big fan i I can't remember who replaced Greg Sankey. Forgive me, but you know, I I definitely know that. Uh, well, I don't think anyone in the Mountain West is a huge Craig Thompson fan. At least not yeah. on the Wyoming end of things. Maybe maybe like Boise State because they get a, a right. little sweeter deal on things. But um, well, well now well now they hate him because they lost to Fresno State in a game they think they shouldn't have played. There the you go. Place, so um, so yeah, I, I don't think uh, Craig is getting too many love letters right now. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, you know, in terms of the conference as a whole, you know, you know, there's going to be around the country bid stealers. You know, yep. like there are every year in some of these mid-major programs. So you know, if you're the conference and, and you're these bubble teams in the conference, you want this tournament to go chalk so that you know, even if you get to the semifinals or the championship game and you lose to a 
a, a San Diego State or a Boise or a you know Colorado State. It doesn't. It's not the loss isn't going to kill you in terms of your at large resume. Yeah, you know it's so. I don't know. It'll 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 be. No, go ahead. Oh, you yeah. I guess I just uh, asking out of ignorance. But is there? I imagine not. Uh, I, I imagine the answer is no. But is is there any other tournament uh, uh, berths that Wyoming should be keeping an eye on? You know, is is this a a team that could be uh, scratching out like a CBI invite if those are still happening this year? My 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 impression is no. Right? They gotta they gotta I, run the table. I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. And with, I, I, and honestly, I don't really know. Just considering, you know, that some of these postseason tournaments have been canceled. Yeah. Number one, and then number two, I, I don't know how they're going to handle, you know, all the all the berths and who who gets to actually play in the NIT or whatever. Like, uh, I have no idea how that's even going to work. But, yeah. Um, I mean, the yeah, you know, bowl season was so weird with uh, a lot of teams who probably did not deserve bowl bids getting to play in one. So, right. I guess it's always possible that enough teams back out or something. But yeah, um, just just go win them all, and then you don't have to worry about it. Right, and I guess it depends too on uh, you know, whether you uh, come down with COVID at your conference tournament, right. you know, and you're eliminated from the postseason altogether. But hopefully, that doesn't happen uh, down in Vegas this week for the Mountain West or at any conference tournament. But um, as long as they play the games, it should be interesting down in Vegas. Um, again, Wyoming will open tournament play. You get San Jose State on Wednesday. That will be a noon Mountain Time tip, and uh, the winner of that will get San Diego State. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I think we've set a record in this podcast for uh, how much we've talked about San Jose State. I know we haven't <laughs> been doing this both of us all that long, but it. Uh, Feels like we've set a high bar as far as Spartan talk this week. Yeah. Well, I mean, Dick Vermeil. That's all I know about San Jose State. Well, you know when they're, when they're out there winning <laughs> conference championships and and then playing Wyoming, it's it's a relevant topic of conversation. So there you go. Hashtag talking about the Spartans. <laughs> all right, Brandon. We've speaking of talking, we've done that long enough. So <laughs> we can go we can go and wrap it up there. But um. Be sure, as always, to uh, stay locked into Trib.com and PokesAuthority.com for all of our coverage. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at PokesAuthority. You can follow me on Twitter at Davis E. Potter. Give Brandon a follow on Twitter at BFoster91. This podcast is on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Omni. So be sure to uh, subscribe, download it, give us that five-star rating. Uh, Brandon, appreciate you joining me as always, and uh, we will talk to you guys again next week. All right, thank you, David.